credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to the Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Jerry's here too, sitting in for Dave. So let's go at Short Stuff. Go, go, go. <laughs> this is something I'm surprised we haven't covered uh, succinctly. We may have talked about it before here and there, but uh, the idea, and I literally thought of this because I saw a a flock of birds flying in that beautiful V pattern. A flock of seagulls? <laughs> oh, I wish. Because, you know, they run so far away. Uh, flying, and I was like, where are those guys going? And what are they doing? And how do they know? It like, seems a little late. Like, why are you doing it now? And, and how do you know how to get there? What the hell's it, wrong with you? It turns out we know the answers to some of these questions. And we're talking about bird migration. Uh and this comes from our old friends at HowStuffWorks.com and Aaliyah Hoyt, who did, I think, a really great job writing a very succinct article on this cool topic. Uh, you should I thought go, so, too. Go check it out and read it there. But um, the notion about birds flying south for the winter, we should say right off the bat, is like that's just a very um, uh, sort of lazy way of putting it because there are more than uh, 900 species of birds and so you, you're just saying birds flying south. You can't just say that about all birds because not all birds do fly south. No, um, they don't. But the ones that do fly south are incredibly fascinating because, like you said, all those questions you have, we have a lot of answers to. And um, the the urge to migrate has a name even. That's one of the things I love about this, Chuck. There's some great terms hidden within it. Yeah, one that I didn't great realize. band name too, by the way. Migratory restlessness? No. Okay. Photo period? No. Those aren't okay, bad. Okay, I'm going to give them all away. Okay. <laughs> but the the um the natural urge um I, I would guess an unconscious urge too if you're a bird um to migrate is called migratory restlessness and a lot of times they um chalk it up to uh, a change in the length of the day which is called the photo period. That's right. Uh I don't think we said about 75% of birds do migrate. And um, it, it's kind of like two buckets on why you would. This is that first bucket, uh, which is the, the daylight kind of giving them a cue. And this means that they're um, – the daylight is giving them the cue. They're not flying south because like, you know, it's getting a little bit chilly and the worms aren't quite mm-hmm. what they used to be. But uh, <laughs> it's more like, hey, the, the daylight is changing. That's a signal to me. That means we are known as band name obligate migrants. Okay, that's a good one. Pretty good? Yeah, that means that nature is com- commanding you to go migrate. You're, yeah. This isn't any choice that you're making. This is just part of who you are. You migrate as a member of this bird species. Yes, and if you're an obligate migrant, you probably opened up for the talking heads in the 80s, would be my <laughs> guess. So the good thing about obligate migrants is because it's so hardwired, their behavior is very predictable and easily studied. Um, like the tra- the distance they travel is going to be basically the same year after year, generation after generation. When they go is going to be about the same. When they come back, it's going to be about the same. They're just extraordinarily dependable, right? Yeah. The the ones that you can't count on at all 
are the facultative migrants. And not, I said it right. I didn't just add an extra <laughs> syllable. Yeah, not nearly as good of a band name for that reason. It's a little clunky. Mm-hmm, it is tag clunky. But these are the ones that migrate because they have to. They're really lazy as far as migration goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're the ones that take the cues around them. I, I kind of like them because they're not like, oh, I'm just going to do it because the daylight says so. Okay. They do it because food might be getting short or it might be getting a little chilly for them or whatever. Um, and they basically know we can't stick around here, so let's hit the road, right? Or hit the hit the sky. They're kind of like the surfers of migrating birds. <laughs> That's right. I like that. Should we break now? Oh, yeah. Jeez. All right. Talk yeah. about a cliffhanger. This, this is the shorty, my friend. Let's get back to it in a minute. Okay. Well, now, when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's stuff you should know. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Chuck, let's get back to it. Answer. How far do they migrate, Josh? What's the number? How many miles? Well, if you ask Dr. Andrew Farnsworth of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the metrics are all over the ballpark, exclamation point. How Stuff Works, (laughs) talk to Dr. Farnsworth. And by the way, I can't say enough about How Stuff Works, Chuck. So Dr. Farnsworth says that depending on the birds, uh, the species, Uh I never thought about this. 
they may not really move anywhere as far as like a human would think of it. If yeah. they live like on a mountain, they are probably going to stay on the mountain. They just might change altitude, like, you know, a few hundred meters this way, a few hundred meters that way. Yeah. Um, it makes a huge difference depending on the season. And that, that counts as migration. I, I love that one. Sure. They might stay in the same region or the same area. They might stay in the same state. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, here in Georgia, you could migrate just a little further south in the winter and uh, have some very nice weather. Yeah, there's a pretty big difference between North Georgia and South Georgia weather-wise. Yeah, big time. Uh, or you could really get on your horse or your wing, and your migration may be like truly epic. Uh, and I guess we should talk about the most epic is the Arctic, Arctic, ugh, that word, the Arctic turn. Mm -hmm. uh, they go from pole to pole. Uh, they go from the Antarctic to the Arctic. And that's the last time I'll have to say that. And that is a round trip of close to 19,000 miles or 30,000 clicks. Can I say clicks? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was bad because do you think of Vietnam? I, I don't know who else called it clicks. <laughs> that's what I associate it with. But I, I only heard it in Vietnam water. War movies. I didn't know if that was a bad thing. Anyway, uh, let's just call it kilometers. And that is the the largest and or rather the longest migration on planet Earth for anything. Yeah, any animal whatsoever. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, I found one called the Bartail Godwit. They hold the record for the longest nonstop flight of any uh, bird. Let's hear it. They fly nonstop over 6,800 miles from Alaska to New Zealand without rest. Wow. Can and you that, imagine? Yeah, that's a real reaction, by the way. We don't, sometimes we'll surprise each other with facts. Just mm -hmm. so... Sometimes we're being coy. Yeah, you thought I was going to bust out something about the black pole war warblers, didn't no, you? No, no, I know you'd have something new for me. So that was that was a real reaction, everyone. I'm not that good actor. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you set me up for that one. Come on. Uh, oh, of course I did. Um, so the the destination is kind of the last piece, like whether or not they migrate or not, uh, how far they migrate, and now like where are they going to go. And mm -hmm. this one is really interesting because. They don't know for sure, and they're trying to answer these questions, but there are a lot of super cool ideas about it. And one really cool sort of side note to this is some species of bird will go to the same place every single year, uh, just like you're going on a vacation, and they'll have the same rest stops every year, just like you might on a, a vacation. Yeah, they'll actually learn landmarks to follow. And yeah, that's pretty cool because that means that if you see some Canadian geese in your backyard one year, you're probably going to see them the next year and I so on that. and so forth. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Um, they also think that there's just a number of redundant systems that basically allow birds to navigate. Um, one of them apparently is learning how to navigate by the stars, yeah. by constellations. Pretty impressive for a bird. Like people um, do. Mm -hmm. They also can use the sun to orient themselves, but then they have other, um, they believe they have other onboard equipment, like an ability to see the Earth's electromagnetic field and orient themselves that way. Yeah, and you said see, like uh, some birds may sense it, but they actually think that some birds, there's a theory that some have a special pigment that literally lets them see it. Yeah. Which is which wild to think about. I would love to see that. I guarantee in the next 50 to 70 years, we're going to have all sorts of ways to see, like, UV, um, to see 
magnetic fields, just to see all sorts of, just to experience the world in different ways that we aren't even thinking of right now. I guarantee it's going to be like a huge pastime. Yeah, or put on those special glasses and someone's clothes are off. <laughs> the x-ray glasses? Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. We're going to make you, a million bucks off of that. Did you ever see the uh, uh, Ricky Gervais show extras? Uh-uh. There's a great bit online that you should look up, just a scene with Patrick uh, Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. Okay. Where he's... Uh, <laughs> Ricky Gervais goes in his trailer, and this is a short one, so I can tell the story real quick. Uh, Ricky Gervais goes in his trailer. He's an extra on movies and TV shows. That's the whole premise of the show. Mm-hmm. And he he seeks some advice. He's like, I'm just an extra, and like, you know, I'm trying to write screenplays and make my own way. And Sir Patrick Stewart like really bonds with him. He's like, Yeah, I'm I'm writing my own screenplays as well. And his big idea is that he is like. Uh, <laughs> has superpower is that he can make a woman's clothes just fall right off their body. <laughs> and Ricky Gervais keeps keeps it going like, and you know, and then what happens? And, you know, and then like trying to get to some further plot point. But <laughs> Patrick Stewart just keeps saying, and, you know, there's a police officer and she comes up and I just look at her and her clothes just come right off <laughs> and I can see everything. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's man. really funny. It's that in the uh, Liam Neeson scene from extras i'll check it out what's hilarious is that idea is basically the basis of zapped that scott bayo movie from the 80s sure maybe sir patrick stewart wrote that maybe (laughs) or he's a big (laughs) fan of it and ripped it off you never know uh i think chuck i'm sensing like a bird can sense earth's magnetic field that short stuff is apt you're correct Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.